guys. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Everybody tuning in. Um, Gee, I like your fancy hat, bro. Thanks, bro. This was actually a gift uh, from a good friend of mine, um, Saul Chicago, mm-hmm. a, a realtor. Saul Z. Saul Z, and he has um, the famous Saul Z. He has a good uh, uh, hand drip, movement. Drip campaign. He's got a good hand style when he's doing his graffiti. (laughs) He's got (laughs) beautiful digits. You know what's funny is I went to uh, Diego's event Uh in Austin, Uh and I show up to his house, and Diego has a hat looks like this one. Oh, okay, okay. Rinse and repeat. That's that's the best way to gift. And he got it to him for for his birthday as well. So, Um, but tonight um, we are excited. Um, Dom, who do we have on tonight? Guys, you know we bring the heat. We bring the fire. We bring all different aspects of real estate as far as retail, flipping, wholesaling, long-term investing. And tonight, guys, we have Steve Shane, a retail real estate operator. Is it Mm -hmm. safe to say that? Based out of the one and only Jacksonville, Florida, team building, and he's ready to share. And he's an open book from what he says. Is that right? Yeah. Oddly open. Yeah, yeah. Oddly open. Okay, so we're going to find out more about that for sure. But guys, he is ready to bring the fire. And I think we're all going to learn a tremendous amount, especially if you're interested in different types of real estate, because not everyone is just only one lane because we're we're kind of one laners. But there's a lot of people that are really successful with doing some retail, buying, holding, doing some flipping. And there's a lot of like active players, especially here in this market. I've I've done a little bit of each. I've tasted all of them, you uh-huh. know. Um, and this is the lane I'm in right now. Uh, what's to say, 2022, 2023, where that's going to go? Right. Okay. Um, you know, right, right. the whole point so, is for us to be independently, you know, not encumbered by jobs and stuff like that. I think that's why we're working, right? So we don't have yeah. to work. I don't know. I don't know. I, I quit my nine to I five. Like, to I like to work. I like to work, but I don't want to have to work. Right, right, right. I want to get to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'll tell you why I'm excited uh, for tonight's show is because I'm always, always curious to what is happening out in the market, right? Yeah. My business as a wholesaling business feeds investors, right? Mm-hmm. Deals. And investors are buying based on the demand of the retail market, mm-hmm. right? And it's always eye-opening to understand the demand out there and understand how competitive and what the buyers are looking for um, because that trickles down to what investors in Jacksonville or any, you know, in any market are buying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that feeds the wholesalers under them to target what the flippers want to buy to then sell to the retail buyers. And you have a a heavy focus on retail buyers right now. Yeah, we have, we're we're doing a lot of buyer business. Um, So I run a team called Porchlight Florida here in Jacksonville. Um, My mentor's been out in San Diego. He's on Porchlight, the original. Um, His team has 90 agents. They sold 800 plus homes this year. Um, So I'm just ripping off everything he's doing because it works. So why change that? so right now, uh, started in December, we had our first team member in, uh, joined in May. Uh, we've closed 34 units this year. Um, not huge numbers, but I think it's pretty good for this yeah. year as a team. We oh, already yeah. have 12 or 13 under contract for next year. Um, oh, wow. Actually, it might be 11 now because 
tonight I found out that one of my buyers decided to quit their job mm. in the middle of a transaction. That's never so, good. Uh, it's not good. That's not good if you're financed. Okay. <laughs> Can you get it back just until close or? No. I don't think they close. I don't think they quit in that fashion. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's one of those like light the match and run yeah, type of situations. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, He's got to pick something up quick. But it's it's all good. We're, we we have tremendous amount of lead flow and uh, it's able to support the team and grow the team. Uh, and it's it's great. Like that's, I love. I don't know. Maybe that was a conversation I was having with you a couple mm -hmm, weeks ago mm -hmm. about the idea that like we're helping put food on people's table. Yeah. Like I love that. I thought you were in real estate. I am in real estate. I'm joking. <laughs> That's true. Well, You're it goes a server on, now? It goes on their table. <laughs> um, the team on the other hand. Uh, so when we're talking about the market and what's demand and what's buyer heavy, um, I mean, everything under 300 in Jacksonville is in multiple offers. Right. Like everything under 400 is in probably multiple offers. It's with these numbers. Um, yeah. So I, I'm a geek for data. data. So a healthy inventory here should be about 85 to 9,500 homes. That would give us about six and a half months of inventory. Okay. As of this morning, there were 2,800 homes in the market. So we wow. have just over a month and a half, probably less worth of inventory across the whole entire Northeast Florida meat park. So hey, I'm sorry, one second. Hey, Mike, on the post, it says we're live with Henry and Jelly. Because <laughs> Henry, Henry posted and says, wow, I've gotten much better looking. <laughs> I don't know, Henry. I, I I don't know if we can change it now, but maybe we'll change it after the fact. We'll edit it. Oh, that's hilarious. That's fine. Sorry Dude, about so that. So that's insane. Yeah. So it's been like that for a while, right? And, and um, Yeah. Uh, about this time last year, we had about 4,500 homes in the market. So we have less inventory. Wow. Because um, this summer was insane. Like when we think about what was happening in the market this summer, everything from May into July, yeah, like homes were gaining fifteen to $30,000 of equity. In, in that much period, yeah. like in that period. So I think there was a stat by uh, Keeping Current Matters that the average home in America got $35,000 of equity and Jacksonville was above that. Um, got net 10 people moving here a day and that was pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. So post-COVID, there's a U-Haul study that said for every one person leaving Jacksonville, seven people are moving in. So when we're talking about what are the wholesalers looking for, anything. <laughs> because we just don't have enough dirt. Study. Dude, um, it's true. It's you never hard. think about like who can actually collect data. Yeah. And U-Haul actually has phenomenal data yeah. because they know where the well, truck was picked up and where right, it was left. Right, right. And did it go back? Right, oh, it didn't. Right, right. Oh, it stayed. You know who else has phenomenal data? Popeyes. Popeyes they have phenomenal something. data of how many people are moving into the hood. Actually, <laughs> yes. Not know. You should see the stat sheets they released. Yeah, they, last they have their own podcast. Wait, <laughs> we're, we, we like the fuck out of <laughs> So, but you, that kind of shocked me, you all day, but it makes sense. So, yeah. I, I want to talk about that because you are a buyer's driven retail team. Yeah. In one of the hottest markets right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you're putting in an offer, multiple offers situation. Yeah. How is it? I, I just like to get right into it. Big. That's cool. How, what are you doing for realtors watching that can learn, right? Like, what are you doing to win those offers for your buyers? Well, the first Ooh, thing you, as have, much as you want to give out. The first thing you have to do before you even 
get there is you need to start talking to your buyers and prep them for this process. Because if they're demoralized and they're beat up because you did not give them a proper buyer presentation, even if, even if it's a 15 minute conversation, hey, basically what I just said to you about the, the amount of demand, the amount like there's not enough dirt. Okay. If you're not prepping them, they're not going to make good offers. They're going to fight you on every turn and you're not the authority they are. So if you're not the authority, if you're not coaching them through the process, they're going to try to run the show and they don't know what's going on. They have not been doing this. They've been doing, they've been on the, on their couch. Zillow data says that the average person on Zillow has been on Zillow for a year before they contact any agent. Um, so, you know, they've been watching the market, but they make so much sense, dude. but it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they've been watching the market because the market changes week to week right right now. Um, it's so aggressive. So making sure that they understand the right mindset to get into it and also establishing yourself as the authority who can coach them okay. on a good offer, that's essential. Um, so if I could dig in real quick, what would be an example of something you prepped them for? Well, I honestly, what I just told you about the numbers, I tell them that. Okay. Like I walk them through, hey, we have less than one third of the inventory we would need for a healthy market. Mm-hmm. you know. And I tell them, we're going to make a lot of offers. We're not going to make one offer and don't fall in love. Um, one of my favorite scripts is, uh, you know, if we find a house that's a seven out of 10 on your, I like this scale, we're making an offer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yes, because you can make a home, a seven out of 10, a 10 out of 10. You know, you can make an, a, an average offer on a seven out of 10. If you lose it. Okay. But if it's at a 10 out of 10, we're making an offer that you're going to be like, can I afford this? Right. But I'm right. prepping them to emotionally like take them through that before we actually go through that. Because gotcha. now I've got you in the right mindset and I can work, you can work with me. Oh, that's huge. Um, Cause if, if you're in resistance, it, every minute you take, it slows down the process and somebody else can make an offer. I've got some buyers in Japan. Um, we work with a lot of military. I've got two buyers in Japan right now and that's killing me <laughs> because we make an offer and they go to sleep. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? Uh, um, so we're waiting on- Prep them bro, tell them to stay up. I, literally that, that happened uh, today. Um, oh, that's hilarious. And I actually have to get that contract out. <laughs> you need a power of attorney for them. Uh, well, they, they have that, um, but I can't be their power of attorney. Right. Mm-hmm. That would be you know, not in their best interest or mine. <laughs> um, so uh, it's, it's really getting the buyers in the right mindset. Right. And if you have them in the right mindset, then we can make offers that are legitimate. Um, and I also let them know that asking price is opening bid. It's not, yeah. it's, you know, it, you have closing costs, you don't. Okay, then we need to address our price so we can ask over and ask for closing costs and things like that. Um, you know, and there's just some people that sadly, as they get into this, they're like, I just can't handle this competition. And what breaks my heart is they think that this is some sort of bubble and it's not like right. statistically showing Florida, the state is 1 million homes under the inventory it needs to be at a healthy place. So the whole state is, you know, you've, I don't know if you guys have seen how many per- permits have been pulled in Duval and St. John's compared to last year. It's like three times for oh, new wow. builds. So we're going to have a ton of new construction and it's still not enough to catch up with demand. Right. Okay. So if that's the case, if you're waiting for this bubble to pop, if you're, if you're not telling your people, yes, I understand you're going to wait, but you're going to pay 20,000, $30,000 more. You know, that's going to impact your monthly payment um, yeah. and help them understand that this is an urgent thing. Like 
this isn't going away. This is in 2008. Everybody who's buying a house is completely qualified. They're only buying one house. They're not buying 12 right. with no income. Like this is real. Um, All right. Well, let me uh, let me ask a, unless you want to ask a question on that topic, I have no, a no, different no, no. kind of a Go question. So why did you? Well, and it's it's related, but why did you choose? Because you have a choice of how you want to play this game, right? Mm -hmm. You chose to work more heavily with buyers. Do you think that's kind of more of an easier entry route with a team? Or did, is there a specific reason why you chose that route other than trying more so to be a listing agent and just get those types of leads? It was just the opportunity at Cupper the Hen. The, the, my, lead, my main lead source that feeds me qualified leads okay. is feeding me qualified buyer leads. <clears throat> and I don't have to pay for them up front. I'm paying on a referral on the back end. Right. Um, and you know, each one of my agents gets two to three of those a week. Mm -hmm. They're oh, converting wow. on 30 to 40% within two or three months. Like those are good numbers. Um, so I can build a foundation around that and then listings will come, especially if we continue to nurture the buyers that we had, uh, again, being military, they're going to turn every two to three years. Mm -hmm. yep. um, it's about keeping those relationships and then, then it will naturally become a listing. It will Got become it. a balanced portfolio, but right now I'm heavy on this side because that's what's available to me. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's, the best thing I have right now. I think it's yeah. in the book, um, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by uh, Gary Keller. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah. But that, I think the natural growth path of the real estate team starts yeah. with as buyer's agents. Is that right? As buyer's agents, and then you organically get listings from repeat customers, and then you have seller's agent and the buyer's agent, then you have an assistant, right. you have a transaction coordinator. I think they talk about the three L's, listing, leads, and leverage. Um, okay. And, you know, listings create leads, which creates a leverage um, or, or you don't, it takes a lot less time to do a listing than it does a buyer. But if you're cash strapped as a team or as an agent, buyers are great because they don't cost much other than gas. Right. You know, you're not, you're not taking photos. You're not, you know, doing a, a drone photography. You're not right. writing flyers and building websites and all this stuff to promote something. So if you have check equity, listings are great if you can build that business mm -hmm. because it, you don't need as many bodies to do that. Right. Um, you get to keep more. And then you have the buyer side. If you don't have that liquidity, that it will feed itself and then eventually it balances itself out. Right. Right. But I think one of the key things you hit was your, your lead source. Yeah. Is really buyer driven. Yeah. It's, it's a heavy buyer. Um, okay. And I've been in the business for, I got in the business in 2014 as an agent. Uh, up in Nashville, Tennessee, little boutique, learned from some phenomenal uh, mentors and stuff. Uh, ended up coaching for Tom Ferry for a couple of years, and then I was a productivity coach at KW for a little bit. So coaching got in my blood, um, yeah. and I love that. I love helping people grow. Um, like the journal that I shared with you guys, it's, it's, it comes from that mentality of how do I become the best self I can be. Right. And I really think business teaches us that. It puts us in the fire and it lets us grow uh, in an intense way. Um, and so as I, you know, learned in this business over time, um, I, I just realized that you have to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of you and then leverage it. Um, you can will yourself into a market. Um, you know, I, I don't always, I don't, I don't necessarily think that a lot of people can do that successfully for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, you'll get burnt out pretty hard. And because I've been in the business a little while, I still have some past clients that come. I still have listings like yeah. the past three homes I've 
I've sold or past clients who bought two and a half years ago. They're selling oh, wow. again. Right. So, you know, they're taking advantage of this awesome market. They're cashing out. Um, so it's, it's those things where we do have a balanced business because of my business. Eventually, the team members will grow into having their own portfolio within Porchlight Florida. Right. Gotcha. Do you have some type of drip campaign process or maybe at least a couple or a few times a year where you send an email or a letter or a birthday card or something like that to past clients just to keep yourself in front of them a little bit so that they remember to come to you after two, two and a half years? I wish I could say yes to okay. that. A lot of the reason the folks come back to me is I get them into my my broadcast channels, my Facebook, my Instagram, you know, whatever social media I'm using to promote me and my business. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I feel like I create enough content that's entertaining that I will stay in your newsfeed, that you watch my stuff, you pay attention to my stuff. And if you do that, if you stay, then when- That is your drip campaign. Yeah, that's right. I'm in front of you. Um, nowadays, that's like more important now. Because I, I don't answer emails. Like if, if I can day. tell that this is a, a, yeah. a a formatted email that's right, like right, right. copy. I'll Blast. look at that, that that headline where it has like an asterisk or something that looks like it's spammy. <coughs> I've already deleted it. Yeah, you know. So right. that, that's why you see whenever you see spammy emails, you see the company name or the person's name on that subject line because they know you're gonna delete it. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least I saw cash geeks. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and people are getting creative with emails. I, I heard someone the other day talk about just put the one or two sentences that you want to say to someone in the subject of the email mm -hmm. so people get it before they delete it before opening it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when was the last time you listened to a voicemail? Other than, like, you called, you left a voicemail, I'm going to read it, Right. you know, and be like, do I need to respond to this? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's um, understood but not stated that if someone doesn't pick up, you just text them. You yeah. don't leave a voicemail anymore. Right. Like, are you 84? What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, you guys are calling 84 year olds. <laughs> right. Um, right. That's true. Well, we leave them voicemail. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so um, you said you got into the into the industry in 2014 in yeah. Nashville. Um, love Nashville. Great, good town. Great, great town. If I could do anything, I don't have many regrets in life, but I just yesterday checked how much the homes that I owned in Nashville are worth now and what they would rent for. Ooh. Owned, past tense. Yeah, okay. owned. So I, I sold them to come down here so I could live at the beach. Right. Um, and I, I look back and like, I could have just taken the equity. Yeah. <laughs> could have just kept that rental income. So um, what were you doing before real estate? Like before um, I was a musician. I was, oh, okay. I, uh, you play guitar, right? Yeah, I play guitar, yeah. sing. Um, right. You know, I mean, if you look at my, my style here, with the poof and the jacket, it kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Our, a buddy of ours plays drums in uh, Nashville. I, was, I just wanted to go visit him. And that's legit. One of the bars. Oh, he's playing at, at one of the Broadway bars? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He yeah. plays like every day. Oh, yeah. Those guys, yeah. they crush it. Yeah. Oh, they, like they if you get a good gig it. and that bucket get passed around, they, yeah, they yeah. can make a couple grand yeah, a night. I, have yeah, a yeah. I think he's making like six cash. figures a year. Yeah, he's, he's drumming every day. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't make that on tour. It's just labor. If he was with somebody. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. they're, they're playing for three I mean, hours at a time. Strumming, they're just strumming, strumming, whatever they call this, for two to four hours. Like, yeah. what the hell? Is he, he's got to be ripped. 
yeah, got to yeah, eat yeah. like six slices of pizza a yeah, night just barely. so he doesn't put it away. <laughs> barely drink. Yeah. yeah. Add extra oil on my pizza, please. I, I mean, if energy. you spend enough time on Broadway, you'd never want to drink again. That place yeah, is yeah. terrible. Yeah. I loved it. I was there it's a good a time weekend. to visit Dude, if you have to amazing. if you had to work there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On a day on a day basis. Yeah. So, so I've never been. What got you into into the game? Into real estate? Yeah. Well, I, I met a gal and uh, I was bartending and, and trying to be a songwriter in Nashville. And I realized that yeah, I can't support us on a bartending salary. And the, the big shift I had was I'm, I'm bartending on Broadway um, at this bar. And I've got a pair of executives in like fine tailored suits on this side of the bar. And the guy who wrote Friends in Low Places for Garth Brooks on this side. Mm. These guys are talking about stuff that I'm totally keeping up with. You know, they're very sharp talking money, finance. I'm like, I, I can do that. Right. And they're paying big money, big tips. And we got friends in low places right. who yeah, I heard that had, song like, oh well, he, has, he hasn't had a hit since then. Right, right, and that right, was 20 right. years ago. And he's drinking PBR and he's barely finding the two bucks. And maybe I'm exaggerating that. So That's I don't want true. any liable. Um, <laughs> um, but it's just the attitude. I was like. I could I could chase this dream for years and end up like that or worse I could still be right here in 15 years you know hoping I get a hit right. or I can use what God gave me in my intelligence and try to go make some some dollars and Nashville is just on the front end of that big wave that, that we're experiencing there now right. so I rapid success very quickly and also when you're a musician um, oh, self promoting uh, trying to get yourself out there the work you have to do as a musician to be the producer, the, the designer, the background, like all the hats you wear, if you apply that to an actual income producing job, you can be really successful really quickly because most people mm. don't work that hard. Like most right. people are scared to work. I had been working to self promote and just get me out there as much as possible. And I applied that to an actual job where I can make money. Um, and I, I had a lot of success very quickly. Um, oh, that's awesome. So it was, it was fun. I was, you know, a top, agent in an office of 300 within my first year and a half um, oh, wow. and uh it was it was an awesome ride uh in great great city and i learned a ton um my broker was the head of nar in 2017 or 2018 oh, wow. so i mean to have that guy could go to and say hey i have a problem with this contract he's like, boop, 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 boop. And you're like oh my god make it so easy yeah. um it was it was it was an amazing experience and then i got to come down here and you know learn the kw machine yeah. Um, and Were that you a maps coach, I wasn't a maps coach. I was productivity coach. Um, slightly different. Uh, it's an in-house. Yep. Um, and getting put into that machine taught me how to be a business person because I didn't know how to be a business person really well until I had that. And then everything else started to change and started wholesaling for a minute. Did some flips for a minute. Um, started a, a call center during COVID because I'd started wholesaling, and then on March fifteenth. Uh, all the money ran out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have a reputation enough to, to build my, my wholesaling thing. So yeah. I was like, I need something. So I started a, a call center and built that out. And uh, then life changed. And that lady that I met, she and I decided to go different ways. And I went back to retail. And I've been able to build the team and blow this up in the past, you know, 12 months and do what Dude, we're doing. That's phenomenal, man. So what would you say are some things that you learned early on, like, Business-wise, um, that makes a difference now in the business that you would recommend to people. Um, read Mike McCaskey's uh, "Profit First. Oh, okay. 
Um, cause you gotta, you gotta cash flows, everything. Um, and understanding how to protect yourself, um, and start separating your accounts, um, your, your life account and your business account. If you, if you got the money thing down, you have a little more security about what you're going to do. Cause now I'm actually saving towards, you know, hiring somebody to help me do a good drip campaign. I can afford all my CRMs and I can pay for the leads right. as opposed to, I think I can afford this end rent. I think I can afford that. Like if you're living month to month, um, it's, you're, you're going to burn yourself out because eventually that month is going to run out of money and yep. you know, you're going to be struggling. That's a great point. Um, one of the things I also want to ask, uh, on that note is you said very quickly in a year and a half, you were in the top 20 of the 20, I guess, yeah. most profit producing agents out of 300. Yeah. What do you think you did differently than most of those other agents? That I picked brought up you the phone the and called strangers. Like I, I had no problem. Do you actually work? Yeah. Well, it's, it, there's a lot of people who, who work, but it's, are you, is, is that something that they drive you to do? They tell you, they recommend no. it, or they give you these options and you choose? Nobody you nobody coached me to do that. I, I hopped on YouTube and looked for what people were doing. Um, that's where I found Tom Ferry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was a guy at the time, he is, was his name? Colton something. Uh, he's out of the West Coast. Um, I forget his name. But he was he was literally on YouTube recording his calls. And I would just watch a couple of his calls, get me in the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to make calls and I would call the strangers. And then I made an effort. <clears throat> I had something called, uh, basically it was a spreadsheet that I called like my week of success. <clears throat> and I had to have, uh, what was it? At least five belly to belly conversations with people a week. Um, I had to at least have like three coffees with somebody. I just share a meal with a couple people. I had to send some thank you cards. Um, and I had to make sure that I was making 20 phone calls to either new people or past clients or pat other people a day. So it, it just, it was a spreadsheet that I would put up on the wall and a checkbox. Right. And I knew if I was doing, if I was making money, if, if the past few weeks that was full, I'm going to have a really good next month. If it was empty, I knew that I was like, oh, I got to double down. Um, so it was a good representation of, am I actually doing the work that's generating income? Because there was like, yeah, a lot of people who think that they're making money going to classes and they think they're making money by going to happy hours with other realtors. Right. And so that's great to get embraced in the industry, but that's not going to cut you a check. And that's, that's the, the, the Instagram version of reality. Right. I mean, uh, residential real estate that it's not, it's not going to make you money. Right. So it sounds like you had some type of repeatable process. Yeah. 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 And it all boiled down to the numbers. Right. And if you had your calendar filled with the numbers that you talked about mm -hmm. then you had great months to come. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I was making it up as I went along, like my follow up system was literally like index cards. Like it was, you know, those cubicles from back in the day that like were like somehow felted on the side that you could just poke things in. Yep. Oh, yeah. We, um, we had some of those. Yeah. And so office we were in. my follow up system was index cards poked to the wall and. You know, had I called that person lately, uh, I should call them and then we make a little adjustment, take it off right. and stick it back because I didn't know what a CRM was. I didn't, I didn't think about putting it into a spreadsheet or paying for anything. Like it was really nuts and bolts, but that's, it worked mm -hmm. and I made what worked for me. And again, it became down to a system. And you and I've talked about this before, like systems always win, but I didn't realize that I was making a system. Mm -hmm. It was just doing that so I could keep track of 
everything I was doing. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any other choice. So you know, I, I was trying to have a life with with uh, my new wife, and we we're going to have a kid soon, and all that stuff. So, so you said you picked up the phone and you called strangers and most people weren't willing to do that yeah. or they didn't think about doing it possibly. Um, it's out there. It's, they, they knew they had to do that. Is yes, it like an yes introductory? No, I think most brokerages, especially a couple of years ago when I got started, I mean, 10 years ago when I got started, they were teaching it. They were teaching new agents to go talk to your friends you know, you'll, you'll make enough money by talking to your sphere in your community. And that was before Zillow took over with, with Mindshare. Like you used to start your real estate search with your real estate agent from your church. Right. Hey, I'm thinking about this. Like my mom was a real estate agent. And when I described to people what hot sheets are, because every MLS has something called hot sheets. They don't know what, why that was called hot sheets. It's because it, it came out of the facts and it was hot. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, my mom wrote contracts That's on the hood so of a car funny, and she had to go drive that contract to a broker's office, have that agent sign it. And that agent would have to go drive that contract to their other person. Like, and now I can do all that on my phone. And yeah. the speed of a transaction is so much faster than it was 25 years ago. So much faster than it was 10 years ago when I started. Um, yeah, and the wiring capabilities and a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some uh, title companies have it to where you can submit EMD on their website. It's just right. so many conveniences. But you can you can close on a house now remotely right? because of the, like they figured out how to do it COVID-wise, like with mm -hmm. e-signatures and stuff. It's phenomenal. But like that, was, that wasn't an option. I think once Zillow really capitalized on ZillowRealtor.com, all the online search tools, 2014 was still young. We, the, the iPhone was still only six years old, yeah. you know, maybe five years old at that point. Um, like it was still really young. And now you don't start your, your, your search with your neighbor. You start, you, you started it six months ago and you know exactly what you want. And now you're contacting a friend. Maybe if you didn't hit that, talk to an right. agent now, but right. Right. I don't um, know if I know any, if I know anybody, who doesn't have a cell phone right now i mean my mother is basically 80 and she's had cell phones for yeah. years my cousin just uses them better than i do my cousin's son just turned 12 and his birthday present was a phone like nice you know, yep 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 like a 12 year old has all the information in the world in his pocket 12 year old's probably on the low He's probably trading crypto and selling my, NFTs. My daughter, Emily, might have had one at 13. Yeah. She's 15. I think she's had at least two years. I don't I don't know if she had it at 12. I don't remember. <clears throat> and how old are you now? 13, 12. You are a furry 12. <laughs> Your mom had sex been, with a goat. been growing this, this fucking... <laughs> You haven't shaved years. ever. You haven't shaved ever. <laughs> no, I, I love that, that you talk about mindset and um, like you got into coaching. Yeah. Right. Um, because I think that's very powerful to anybody that I feel like most people that get into coaching got a lot of coaching. Right. Are are, are open minded and. The aspect of I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, I need to seek direction. Um, 
So where did you get that book? I got that from my mom. My mom gave, made me very, like, the first time I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was probably 17 years old. I was flying back. I remember, I vividly remember, you know, getting on a plane, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as I'm, like, walking down, you know, the middle of all the seats. And the guy in front in uh, first class says, hey, that's a good book. I'm yeah, like, yeah. all right, I'm on to something. And the guy who, like, smells like, you know, Seagram's sitting next to me, he's like, what's that thing all about? I'm like, I'm going to listen to that guy up there. Yeah, yeah. Um so my mom got me onto Rich Dad Poor Dad. She got me onto um, Think and Go Rich, and and it started with personal development through books, and realizing that like there's an answer for every one of my problems either in a book, and then YouTube is a whole other resource for that. Like if you want to know how to do something, hop on. Yeah. Um. So like we have all the resource, and uh, yeah, I just I think because of either how she raised me or because I was made fun of uh, up enough that like, I didn't really care about how you thought about me by the time I got to be in my twenties, um, that I was okay to fail. I was okay to be wrong. Um, I still have an ego that's substantial. That's why you know, I'm running a team. Um, <laughs> uh, but being able to not know and not be intimidated by that, I think that was uh, one of my superpowers. Mm. What are another, what are a couple other superpowers superpowers um number one is my hair let's be honest it's <laughs> super poofy and shiny i just got a good haircut today i'm soaked about it um go see andrew at uh the barbershop in uh, orange park uh but uh i think for me it's it's not caring i recently ran like a half marathon with a buddy and my mantra while I was running it was run my race, run my race. I'm not running your race. You're not running my race. I'm running my race. And I think that's kind of one of my superpowers is understanding like what I'm going for and not trying to compare myself to you. Do I want a successful business? Do I want a cash geeks quality business? Absolutely. But it's going to be how I build it and how I grow it when I'm running my race. Um, and I think that that gives me uh, an ability to, to go forward in a way that is not trying to change my who I am so I can impress you. Right. That's not important. Yeah. Yeah. No, no that's huge, man. Um, one of one of um, a couple of my early mentors were just like, that don't compare your you know your chapter one to somebody's chapter twelve. Yeah. I, I still tr I struggle with that still. Yeah. And it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's super hard. Yeah, um, but once once you kind of grasp that, just in the world of social media and everything, dude, everybody's highlighting all their wins all mm -hmm. the time, over glorifying the win. Yep. Right. Well, then then they don't talk about the L's. Yeah, yeah. The, the lessons. The lessons. But, <laughs> but you're looking at it, you're just like, shit, man, they're doing this. Why am I not doing this yet? Mm -hmm. You know, why am I not there yet? And then constant head battle all the time talking yeah. to yourself beating yourself up and that just takes time that takes headspace to make more calls right, right. instead of thinking about the shit um so i love that so i've got that. a question for you guys you guys have both kind of talked about like groups that you're a part of and like where what is your and you said you had a mentor in the past like what do you think your um your relationship and your proximity to other top performers what has that done for your business and for where you're growing 
I mean, well, so. I don't think much. I feel opposite. I do think it adds. I don't want to take away from that. Yeah. I think there's value there for sure. I think it's all in our individual drives and what we want. I think if you're driven mm -hmm. as an individual and you're going to show up every day yeah. and you're going to just do endless amounts of research and figure out how to get whatever's done done, that's what's really going to drive growth. Yeah. Um, I think they give you some keys out there and they give you some paths and some options, you know, um, and then we're big testers, right? Mm -hmm. We're big AB testers doing all types of shit. Some shit works well and a lot of stuff doesn't work well. Yeah. That might work well for other companies. And I think mm -hmm. we talk about it all the time where we say, <clears throat> you can look at, you know, five different wholesale companies, five different retail uh, real estate companies, whatever the case may be. They operate, operate entirely different from one another, but they all do really, really well. Yeah, sure. So um, the stuff that we do and the way that we operate in our pattern might not work for other companies. It just might not be the way that they want to operate their companies. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. I think when yeah, we're talking totally. about totally, just a, but, uh, we, okay, you go. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> I don't want you to add. Or well, then, um, I was just thinking about what you're saying, and you know, sometimes why things don't work is the the culture and the community that you built. Like, you know, I, I'm trying to find some sort of tool metaphor, but. You can put the same tool in two people's different hands, but if this person has a background and knowledge of that tool, they're going to mm -hmm. be more successful using it than this person. Yeah. Um, if you've created a culture or community that <clears throat> embraces accountability and you know competition and you put a tool that doesn't have that in there, it's not going to work as well. And then vice versa, if you try to put that into a, you know, a hug type environment, um, it, accountability definitely won't work in that environment. Right. Um, right. So it, I think, it makes sense that, yeah. you know, something that might have worked for somebody else's wholesale team would definitely not work for yours because you have a different team. You have a different culture right. and different community. Right. Logging that, I'm going to Good point. I'm hold on to that yeah. as, I, as I grow my team. <laughs> okay. No, that, that's huge. That's huge. But I think that's why we make great business partners because we are kind of totally different. Mm -hmm. um, like, Dom was never correct at all. Before we met, with never breastfed. Oh, he, he oh, we were in a different, <laughs> we we're in a different uh, uh, token there. Yeah. Okay. Um, he correct me if I'm wrong, but he had never been part of that. Actually, before we engaged together, I think I read one book in my entire life in high school that I was forced yeah. to for a book report. It was uh, Did the you read the whole thing? Or ten. Some of it? The funny uh, thing is, it was notes, the <laughs> Ten Little Indians by Agatha Christie. Good one. And uh, my teacher caught me that I didn't read the epilogue. Mm. And then she made me read it in class. Okay. Yeah, so Dom and I... It's funny that you said that because I didn't. Totally different. Like, by the time I had met Dom, I had been part of probably like three or four different mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. I had tons of mentors. Um, and I was super involved in the local RIA. Um, so Dom and I just bring different things to the table. Right? And so for me... At 19, I didn't have the drive, the vision of what I wanted to be. It was just putting myself in the right rooms with, with the right people. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me who I am. Um, and we leveraged that, right? So I come from the world of we learn from our peers. We 
pay money and we go to events and you know maybe 98 percent of the stuff that they presented on was all bullshit but the two percent of the one note that i just wrote down we came back and saved us yeah 80 grand this year saved us 100 grand made us two million this year because of that one percent or two percent that we listened to or whatever um so i think that's kind of what makes us different um but yeah by the time i had met dom i mean i had I mean, I think when we first met and first started this business, I immediately took you to that event in Tampa. I, th I think I was already getting into the personal development world right. because I think when we met, I was, I was, I think I was already in like a Grant Cardone uh, mentorship thing. And then at the end of the first year, I joined the second year again. Do you remember that? Yeah. So I was already kind of going in that direction. Yeah. So Dom had achieved a lot of success without any of that. Without yeah. Without reading books, podcasting, white and anger. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to do it. I was totally different. Yeah. I was like, I need a mentor. I need a board of advisors. I need to be part of a mastermind group. I need accountability. I need to whatever, mm -hmm. right? And then we kind of linked up, leveraged each yeah. other, right? Um Mutual superpowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but I do agree with Dom as, as far as like, you know, we'll go to an event, spend a lot of money going to an event, and we don't get that shit from it. But we do make a lot of connections. I think yeah. part of the, the big point I was making was that, like, I think um, it's more in the doing. Like, you yeah, can right. take just a couple little right. things from those yeah. events and really do great things with them. Yeah. But you really have to see those through right you really have to put them to work like the event itself is not going to change the person well, i love i love those events because like i've made a lot of money from meeting the people attending the same events that i'm at right so mm -hmm. nothing what this speaker just said is going to change my business but because i sat next to this person during the whole event we connected they're doing what I'm doing. They're in this market. Now I'm in that market. Now we're doing deals together. Yep. It has nothing to do with what that speaker just said or whatever. I've made more money because of the, at events like that, Yep. made more money by sitting and having dinner with somebody exactly. and being like, Hey, I'm experiencing this problem. And they just happen to always be the yep. person who just solved that problem. Yep. Don't know how, but we learn from each other and you know, they're like, Oh, just do this. You're like, oh, thank you. It saved me 16 weeks of figuring this out on my own. Um, I think that's the benefit to me of those masterminds. It just oh, saved me sure. some time from breaking my back. Right. Uh, yep. If somebody could help me with recruiting on that, that'd be awesome. Oh, <laughs> Dude, man. That's huge, man. Recruiting is tough. Recruiting is, is a big challenge. Yeah. A big challenge. And I can only imagine as a realtor uh, trying to recruit other realtors, like freaking egos and, and yeah. uh, entrepreneurs trying to recruit other entrepreneurs. Mm hmm. And then there's also people who like people and houses and right. they had $2,000 and filled in uh, fill in the blank test. And now they can yeah. fill in, fill out a fill in the blank contract, you right, know, right, right, right. <laughs> like that's the reality of our business. <laughs> Very low, low bar of entry. Um, right. Uh, wholesaling, no test. Okay. I love wholesaling. <laughs> there's some wholesalers out there. I'm like, oh, no, no. Wholesaling is the Let's test. Let's do some deals. Wholesaling with this is the, the process is the test. <laughs> So do you do or 
incorporate into your team flow anything that you did when you first started out? When you talk about that grit of picking up the phone and talking to strangers, and are, are there any processes, anything like that when you first started out that you still do now or that just stuck with you that really, really works? Honestly, no. I probably should go back and look at that and see huh. what I can incorporate back into my practice. Um, uh, the benefit of being on my team is that you don't have to make those phone calls. Like I'm, I'm providing you leads and I'm not asking you to make a ton of phone calls. Like I want you to eat. Like I, I believe my job as a team leader is to help you be at the kitchen table and at the closing table and everything else I should be able to take care of. Um, so right. that means you should be on appointments or writing contracts and that's it. Um, and if I can provide a source that can let you do that, that benefits everybody. Is the source making the appointments for them too? Or is it providing no, uh, the lead? And they right now, to... they, they, they got to pick up the phone and, and convert that. Um, okay. Ideally, by June or July, we'll have a small ISA team who oh, triage those, get them warmed up, and then hand them off. Um, so that's that's the plan uh, if I continue this, my online leads fund. Sweet, sweet, yeah. sweet. So, um, go ahead. I, I want to just dig in real quick more into the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are um, working with buyers. You're seeing what buyers are looking to buy. Um, you're seeing you're working with lenders, right? Obviously, because I feel like as a listing agent, you know, you have uh, a seller that you're worried about. As a buyer, you're more involved in the loan process. Mm -hmm. You qualify and you're basically educating them on what to do and what not to do. Oh, yeah. So, um, with that being said, interest rates, right? Interest rates are a hot topic. You know, are they going to go up? Are they going to go down? Or, you know, everybody's like, interest rates are best right now, but they're going to creep up. Um, have you seen any fluctuation recently, big fluctuations on any interest rates right now? Not dramatic. I mean, it's been at a 3.7 or so, or what is it, 3.7? Now we're at 3.3, 3.4 right now. Been there since October. Um, the data I'm seeing is that at most we'll be at four by the end of next year. I mean, it's still stupid cheap. It's still stupid cheap money. You may you may go from a 250 house to a 230 house, and that will be disappointing because that's a very different house in this market. Um, but I mean, my parents bought a house at 12 and 13 percent in the 80s. You know, my first house was, you know, I think it was. A six percent interest rate, four percent is cheap money. Right. Um, and when we only have three thousand homes in the market, and it's still four percent interest rate, even if we go up to five thousand homes on the market, and we have four percent interest rate. We're still going to have multiple offers, still going to be seller controlled. Um, right. So, I, th I think, you know, and we're, we're the fastest growing city in the state of Florida. Um, so, we're going to continue to do this. I got. You. Do your buyers, when you're, whenever you're putting an offer, how often do you run into that you're putting an offer on a house that's um, owned by an investor, that's flipped or bought it, flipped it, renovated it, put it on the market? It's actually not investors, it's corporations. We're buying a lot of Open Door, a lot of Zillow. Because mm. um, okay. they sit on the market a little bit longer because they're usually a slightly <coughs> overpriced. Just kidding, Zillow, you're fine. Um, uh, but yeah, that's we're buying a lot of corporate-owned companies. Gotcha. Uh, some investors, but again, investors can't do at scale what those companies are doing. Right. 
you know, they, they figured out how to find buyers or sellers who are ready to sell and give them a, a fair market offer. And they're happy to take whatever they can and be gone. And I mean, right now, um, open door is selling them, selling open door homes through their brokerage and three other brokerages. Right. So, and Mav, each one of those, we do buy them from open door. um, and then Mav is doing it. SVR has got one. And I just saw another one, um, but they're all getting like 400 listings over the course of three months, each of them. So like open doors figured out how to find those sellers, give them what they want and get them out. Um, you know, and, and make a profit when, when you're doing 400, it's easy to make a profit or it's much easier. Um, you know, you can, you can miss a couple cause you'll go big on the other one. Um, but I'm a mate. I like, I've, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's really hard to write an offer for a house for 310 when the most recent comp is 300 and it is the exact same house you're writing an offer on. Right. right, right. <laughs> Makes a little challenging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend, one of my good friends in North Carolina who uh, sold his house to open door mm-hmm. and everything that he looked at and his realtor helped <laughs> with it. Everything looked at like it was right on the money as far as the value of yeah. the property. Like it should have sold for that price, whether it was going to sell to a retail buyer or to open door. It was quick. It was easy. It was cash. Mm-hmm. They sold it open door, and two weeks later, they put it back on the market for thirty grand higher, and then it sold. Yep. And then he was just like mind blown. But hey, it is what it is. Yeah. And that's that's the nature of our market here too. That right. that can happen. That that exists, and it's moving that quick. And are they forcing the market? That could be a conversation to be had. Right. Um, would that naturally happen, or would competition, you know? make it a little bit slower uh there was a stat recently that one in four homes in the jacksonville area are owned by a corporation or an investor right you know that really yeah Yeah. like 25 percent of all the homes single family homes are owned by an open door or you know an llc a a yellow bird or a jwb or somebody like that right um that means there's less homes for us for our buyers to go buy. But it was sitting because it was a little bit overpriced. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we were looking at open door houses because we found that trend, right? That yep. it was, they're a little bit more overpriced. They um, don't need a lot of work. Coat of paint of and some LVP and you're they good to go. You just have to explain to me Airbnb on the west side. That's that's a sentence I never really thought I would hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to unpack that one later. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole another conversation. Yeah, it's more of the the business that. corporate approach. Funny. So yeah. for example, like today, so we have a house on the west side. We have multiple Airbnb on the west side. Nice. Uh, so well, one has been performing. The, we bought six houses last Monday, um, all in one day, and they're all going to be the regular houses, regular neighborhoods, mm-hmm. affordable houses, and they're going to be the And the one house, for example, right now that we have on the west side, it's a two hundred thousand dollar house, um, the four bedroom, two bath, 
on the west side off of Ricker, Ricker Road yeah. and 103rd. Not the best neighborhood. Not great. And we got a you know, booking today from today until January 2nd. Wow. And we're charging 189 a night. And these are just <laughs> regular. I mean, not. it's funny because if you think about it, what somebody, someone broke it down to me and said, do you always, do you think hotels only get booked for business? So are there hotels on the west side? Yeah. So it's becoming the norm so when you get a hotel, you also check airport. Right? Which we've done recently. Which we've too. done. Yeah. So you've probably done it. Yeah, right? every time like, I travel, yeah. it's I, I go Airbnb, then I double check to see like what are the hotel rates? Can Correct. I get a nicer hotel for the same price I would get exactly. for the same quality Airbnb? Why well, I think exactly. it's even more so if you're gonna vacation with a group like of two or three families. Yeah. or something like that or maybe just a handful of close family members right so instead of getting three or four hotel rooms you can get an airbnb for close to the price of one hotel room a night mm -hmm. and then everyone's staying there yeah right um or you you know you have some family coming at thanksgiving and i gotta put up my family members at a hotel but i got an airbnb like on my same street right the hotel's a six minute drive but this airbnb is on my same street and I can fit my whole family here instead of getting three rooms on my same street in my neighborhood. Yeah, right? because the hotel is six minutes. It's oh, a far wow. drive. Now, dude, a lot can happen off, one, off 103rd. A lot can happen in Hell six yeah. minutes. Ricker sounds aggressive. Yeah, man. So we, we got introduced to this by one of our buddies. And he's just been crushing it. Glenn? Yeah. Okay. And um, he's been crushing it. Then we talked to another guy who has the same kind of Airbnbs. And mm -hmm. it's like, shit, like, you think about vacation homes. And when you look at hotels, not all hotels are vacation hotels. Yeah. They're a regular hotel, right? And I would say 90% of them are for business travel Correct. or for, you Correct. know, trucker travel. Yep. yep. You know? And so that's the kind of people that we had all over the week. That's right. right. Um, so we had one month, the month of uh, September, we booked out 30 days from one construction company. Yeah, I've also heard about a lot of these construction companies renting out these and putting like 12 of their guys in yeah. there. It's cheaper to buy for them to do that. Um, yeah. you know. Know. And then they get a kitchen, <clears throat> they get you know a living room. Yep common area um so we'll see we'll see we'll that's see. awesome and a lot of work for you yep, so it's one of those things where like you, it's not going to be rented out 100 percent of the time right but but you don't you don't run your numbers on that correct what are you correct. what are you running your numbers on vacancy um like 70 percent I don't think I'm sorry. I figured out like 70% occupancy. Up on it. We we didn't look at the the vacancy or the occupancy numbers. We looked at because we bought it as a performing Airbnb from our buddy. Oh, okay. Right. So All we right. looked at the income. Okay. Versus um, the leverage that's on its way. Correct. But okay. the the income was an average of four grand a month, right? Correct. It was like thirty nine. And then if it was rented out, it would have been a thousand bucks a month for a right. long term rent. Right. Right. So leveraged, wow. I mean cash on cash returns are projected to be over 30%. Wow. 
that's incredible. Yeah, so it's great returns. So we'll, we'll see how the rest of them. So we kind of went in a little bit heavier after the first one was doing well. It was like, all right, it's proven itself. Mm -hmm. so we're going in a little bit heavier, and we'll see how uh, Q1 to Q2 next year turns out for all of them. We did get one in like... But everyone's video. doing well with them, so we... You know, diversify a little bit. Got a big house. TJ got us, actually, out in um, Orange Park Beach. Orange Park <laughs> Beach. <laughs> uh, no, out in Orange Park. Uh, so that has a full, you know, uh, like five bedroom house, so it's a big house. Yeah. Um, yeah, the more the houses can sleep, yeah. the more popular we're understanding they are for That's Airbnb. That's a big rule. Like, if that you're going to be in vacation rental, like on the beach, it doesn't matter. You can get, yeah. you can get like a one one construction. Right. Right. But if you're buying a neighborhood Airbnb house in the but, west side. But the other aspect of that is you're not going to be regulated like. Atlantic Beach or Neptune or and Jax exactly. is going to start at some point. Jax Beach is going to start regulating that. I mean, they're going to you're a hotel. They're going to tax yeah. you as a hotel. Well, um, we we do have to pay. We uh, just registered for yeah. hotel tax. Yeah. Yep. So um, now we have to pay hotel tax. They're going to get us for like what another four percent, seven percent. Seven sounds appropriate. I don't know the. I think it's like seven percent. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember the But you're not going to be regulated as much as you would in oh it's six percent right 60 bucks per thousand yeah so six percent so that gives me peace of mind because now that we have to pay a tax mm -hmm. it's almost like they're here to stay now yeah right it's like all right city's not going to kick us out but they're going to collect it i don't know for a city that needs revenue they're they'd rather yeah, have exactly. you pay exactly. you know sixty dollars per thousand on that rental income then not get anything from that property other than the property tax because you're still paying your property tax. Yep. And then on top, so that's that's you know we're strapped for cash right. in the yeah, city, right. so they're happy for that. So what's um what's this all about, man? They oh. give all Euro Journal. Give all Euro Journal. Um, I uh being a business coach and being kind of obsessed with neuroscience and like everything that we experience happens up here first. So if that's the case, how do I take advantage of that as opposed to being a victim of that? In the sense of like, you ever, you know, it's nine o'clock at night and you're kind of hungry and you're like, I'm going to eat all the worst things in my house right now. You know, it's Every like, night. we've all been there, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to eat them all right now in about six minutes. I'm not going to enjoy it. It's just going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and why is our body doing that? And what is that experience? And what is it craving? And what what dopamine center is it trying to trigger? Um, that kind of conversation, if we apply that to how do we prime our brain early on in the day, this is kind of like a morning routine type journal. Yep. Um, if we can prime our brain early in the day for success and setting our intentions and know where we're going, um, we're going to control the amount of energy our brain uses because our brain uses like one third of our energy all day long. Wow. Um, it's, it is the power center and it's also the biggest power drain in our body. Um, so there are certain things that we can do to help and that's get a lot of sleep um, and also drink a lot of water. Most people aren't drinking enough water. Um, yep. Eight, eight glasses, 10, 80 ounces. Ideally you should be drinking, I think like double your body weight. Um, or I try to think like two to three liters a day. Um, and that double your body weight per day in water. Well, I mean, if you're, let's say 100 and 
60 pounds, you can drink 300 ounces of water. Uh, Sorry, wait. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, You're going to be extra hydrated. 320 pounds of water? Yeah, I need to lose some fucking weight. I'm not drinking this much water. (laughs) Um, That's best for your body. Uh, Just keeping your body clean and also best for your brain. Um, Because all our synaptic connections are running on water. So. Use, use that water for advantage and give all is actually a uh, an acronym the first letter is g for gratitude i is for intention v is for visual visualization e is for equipped a is for appreciation l is for learning and the last l is for love um and they're all small activities that you can do on a daily basis that you know help you have gratitude and set your attention for today. Visualize what a successful day is. Well, I've already visualized for what a successful day is. What do I need? How, how What do I need to be equipped to do that? Do I need to pack that in my bag? Do I need to call that person? Should mm-hmm. I set that in the calendar? Um, being prepared, essentially. Uh, appreciation is gratitude turns out turned outwards to the people around us. So, you know, how rewarding is it when you get to tell somebody on your team how great they did? And how, like, it makes you feel twice as good, makes them feel good, but letting them know, you know, as we send that appreciation out, um, we're spreading those good vibes and good energy, and we're raising the vibration of the people around us. Um, Learning is all about exactly what we've been kind of talking about. You know, what books are you reading? How are you being mentored? Are you trying to get better at a hobby or something? And then love, I'm a big geek for, again, vibration. I think love is the highest vibration, and how do you send that vibration out to people? And if you end your your practice of this on a daily basis, you get to start your day off feeling just like totally on fire for what you can accomplish. Yeah. The cool thing about that is our brain, um, kind of like, kind of like the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon at one point was like a little creek, and over time, that water made a big giant hole. Well, the same thing with our habits um, do that. So when, um. I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced this where you get kind of bored and you don't know what you're doing. And all of a sudden you find you're, you're on your phone and you're scrolling and you're like, how did I even get here? How did that happen? Right. Well, there's a, there's a trigger that happened in your brain. Uh, I don't know if you ever read Charles Duhigg's uh, the power of habit, amazing book on understanding how your brain works. A trigger went off and it set this little, this little carrot in front of your brain saying, I want this experience. And this is how I get it. So then I did it. So people who've ever smoked will experience that where they have that overwhelming craving to smoke because what they really want is this, they want yeah. that experience. They want that, but that, to do that, it's getting the cigarette out and, and you do it so habitually and so quickly. Um, so over time, as you do it more and more and more, it becomes easier to smoke. It becomes easier to pick out your phone. Um, the best example it, that I think is Charles in the book Power of Habit. You know, the first time you backed a car up, you were like checking all your mirrors and you're looking all around. You're like, okay, and it takes forever to back your car out. And like this morning, if you left your driveway, do you even remember like right. you're on your phone, like changing stuff and pulling out, right? Your body knows how to do it. Your brain knows how to do it. You've created a grand canyon from your habit. So if you do this on a regular basis, now you're creating a grand canyon a big, deep trench, a great habit for gratitude, for intention, for visualization, for for love. So it becomes easier to do those things instead of doing things that don't benefit you. Dude, that's awesome. Man. That's a great point. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. That's huge. That's huge. 
Um, and I think that, you know, most, most people, the difference of what makes someone successful and not successful is their habits and what they're doing on a daily basis. 100%. And, um, you know, a lot of people want to learn whether they want to be a realtor or a wholesaler or a flipper, right? They, they focus so much on learning real estate or wholesale mm-hmm. or whatever, and they never work on themselves. They never work on their mindset and their habits of success. Um, so and you can ask any successful person if you like you say i've got a thousand dollars what should i do with it they'll always say go invest in yourself right always go get training go get better like so you can know how to be successful once you are successful um i just finished a great book uh by the the founder of dlp DLP capital john st augustine john werner it's called the uh the the elite uh how to become an elite organization and in Mm -hmm. his book he talks about the 20 mile march and how if you and I decided to walk from California to Maine and we decided just, okay, we're going to go, go on the same trail, same time. If you just go when you feel like it and I go 20 miles a day, no matter what, I'm going to get there before you. Because some days you're going to get 40 miles, but the next day you're going to get three. But if I consistently do 20 miles, if I get in the habit of doing you know, rev- revenue generating activities or whatever that pushes my needle forward, I'm always going to get to my goal first. Right. If I have a right. steady pace of moving, and I, I really love that metaphor. It's really, it really stuck with me, um, considering you know what I'm trying to accomplish next year. Yeah, yeah. it's it's almost uh, like that Bruce Lee fr- uh, phrase. Remember the Bruce Lee phrase? Don't kick fear the man that day. does a thousand kicks in one day. Fear the man that does a kick a day for a thousand days. Mm. I didn't yeah. know that. One. I like yeah, that one. they're very similar. I fear both. Yeah. <laughs> That fired. dude just threw a I'm thousand kicks. <laughs> yeah, like, yo, that guy hit a thousand kicks in one day. I'm out. Like, I'm like, fuck both of those guys. I'm, I'm out of here. Why is everybody awesome. so angry? <laughs> so two quick, two quick questions because we do have to wrap this up. But if someone wants to get a Give All Journal uh, and experience all those beautiful things that you just spoke about, how can they get that? GiveAllJournal.com should be live. I think my Shopify account is still up. Okay, <laughs> so right. go check it out. Uh, happy to. That out to you. If not, you know, he'll walk it to your houses no matter where you guys are yeah. in your yeah. country. Just yeah. send him a DM. Yeah. DM me. And, and then, uh, yeah, and then how can people reach out to you? Yes. Uh, uh, best way to reach out to you. Best way to reach out to me is steve at porchlight fl.com if you want to shoot me an email. Uh, I'm on all the socials uh, at sign I'm Steve Shane. So, letter I, letter N, Steve Shane. And are you, are you doing any like uh, coaching? Like, I do, I do some that? private business coaching, um, just right. helping business leaders get out of their own head. Um, I think I think we can all experience as guys who are trying to do everything, yep. but sometimes it's really hard to process. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that with your spouse, and you can't do that with your number two, and you can't do that with your assistant. Um, you need somebody to talk to who can kind of walk you through, you know, okay, I hear everything we're doing. What's most important? Let's do that. How do we measure that success? Um, so I do that with a couple other people. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, oh, dude, Justin said, highly recommend Steve's journal. Help me immensely. Hello, Justin. Awesome. Hey, buddy. Good to see you. Cool, Glad man. You well, it. Dude, thanks again for doing this, man. This was fun, guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. it. Thanks it was so fun. Much. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we will not see you guys until next year. Um, so... Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. And um, uh, Will just um, message, hey, Will, uh, Steve was nice enough to bring a copy of these to everybody in the office. 
Um, so thank you for that as well. Um, so if you are uh, part of the Cash Geeks team and you're watching, we will have one of these on your desk tomorrow morning. Um, cool, man. And we will take the proceeds out of your checks. Yeah. Uh, cool, guys. So we will see you guys next Tuesday. I'm Gene. Guys, and I'm Dom. And this is the Cash Geeks Network. Peace. Thank you.